Good evening and welcome to Ryan and Ryan Education Today. This is episode seven of season one. I'm Ryan Limley along with my co-host Ryan Weary. Ryan, how you doing tonight? A uh, little tired coming back from a cross-country race yesterday, but I didn't run, but you know, but I, a little bit, but we're, we're doing good. So just to clarify, they don't have coaches races ahead of time? Thank goodness, no, because I wouldn't be walking today if that was the case. Okay, all right. Well, um, in our podcast, we don't just talk about cross-country. Um, we try to uh, break down and provide insight into issues facing today's rapidly changing educational environment. We'll take each issue, look at it from the student, parent, teacher, and administrator perspective. Um, we are privileged tonight to be joined by uh, my friend and an all-around good guy, uh, Tony Huffman, who is the superintendent of the Washington County Career Center. Good evening, Tony. Good evening. Uh, thank you for, for being here tonight. Appreciate you spending your uh, afternoon with us. Well, thank you for this distinguished honor. It's, it's nice to get to, to talk to you guys tonight. Look forward to it. So, distinguished honor. He must have heard about the international audience. Um, <laughs> and so, um, he doesn't know the, the jokes on him that we have suckered him into. <laughs> um, so, uh, Tony, I, I've known you about 10 years now, but I'm actually going to ask you a bunch of questions that I do not know the answer to. And yep. I'm a little bit embarrassed um, that I, I don't know the answer. So, where, where did you grow up? Like, where are you from? So I'm a Washington County native, right? I grew up uh, just north of Marietta, um, pretty close to the Marietta City Fort Fry line. Actually, uh, our house was in the Marietta City district by about a mile, and then my dad's farm was actually in the Fort Fry district. So I uh, went to Marietta High School. Actually, uh, my early education was uh, uh, Catholic education through eighth grade at St. Mary's in Marietta where my kids actually go today. And then, as you know, they'll be here for their, for their high school career here. Uh, in less than two years, you're going to have one of my kids here. So, so back up, we have, to, we have to expand on this just a little bit. Um, you said dad's farm. Mm -hmm. So does that make you a farm boy? Tell us a I, little bit yeah, more about that. I am. I am. Yeah. So grew up on a small beef farm. My dad worked at what was first BF Goodrich in Marietta, which became RJF International, which is today Profusion. Uh, Profusion today is probably, I don't know, 110 to 130 employees. That's a guess. Pretty small today, but back when it was BF Goodrich, it was, uh, I don't know, probably four to 600, I suppose, back when it was booming. And then when, when it was RJF, it got a little bit smaller. Um, but my dad always farmed on the side, has, you know, been a, that's kind of his passion, right? I mean, he's 70, gosh, is he 78 today? And still, uh, you know, he's been retired for, um, He's been retired for 14 or 15 years already, but has never stopped farming. And so. So what was, what was young Tony's job on the farm? Were you out there like, like <laughs> butchering cows or, or what'd you, what'd yeah. you do out yeah. there? Actually, yeah. I can remember, um, you know, butchering chickens, gathering the eggs. Um, I can remember, um, you know, butchering our own beef a few times. Uh, we were fair kids, you know, I was a 4-H kid, so I took animals to the Washington County Fair. Um, but making hay in the summer times, um, feeding the cows uh, in the winter, you know, square bales, setting in round bales, that kind of thing. Uh, my parents always had a big garden, you know, one of seven, and, and so, you know, came from very honest means, and there wasn't a lot of extra money, so we relied on our garden every year, and so we were certainly working every spring, summer, and fall in the garden. Um, but in addition to that, um, yeah, I'm a farm boy uh, two times over because my, my job in the summer was I worked at Huck's Farm in Davola for 10 summers growing up. And so we grew up on a beef farm, but then all six of us boys actually worked uh, on their vegetable farm at Huck's Farm. And so learned all about growing tomatoes and cabbage and sweet corn and moving irrigation lines. And um, so we worked hard, you know, but we always had a little bit of extra money. And if we wanted to buy a gun or a, a motorcycle or whatever it was, we always had a little bit of spending money. <laughs> so a gun or a motorcycle? That's, hey, that's <laughs> very Appalachian, mom, right? How, how did we your were? Mom we we grew that? up, you know. We were uh, we were farm kids, and we liked to hunt and fish. And and back then, three wheelers were popular. My older brothers had three wheelers, and and uh, we were more into the motorcycles when my 
the the younger of us uh, got, got came of age. So, so so six boys. Six where boys do you and fall, a girl. Where do you fall in that? Number six. You're the, you're the baby. No, not oh, the okay. baby. Okay. Nope, not the baby. I have um, I am uh, the fifth of six boys, and I'm uh, number six of seven. But I do have a younger brother. Okay. Yeah, I do have a younger brother that's five years younger than me. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So was your mom a nervous wreck with you buying all motorcycles and guns all yeah. the time? Or? Yeah. Uh, the guns didn't bother her actually as much as the motorcycles because, uh, you know, obviously you're supposed to wear your helmet and do things safely. And <laughs> looking back, you know, it's it's funny because, like, you always think as, like, a school administrator, like, you know everything that the kids are going to try to pull because we tried to pull it when we were kids. Well, I kind of feel that way now as a parent because I'm a big stickler on making my kids wear their helmets when they're riding on their whatever. We have little motorcycles for them, and they have a little side-by-side. And I think about the stuff that we used to do, and it's just, you know, we're lucky we're here to talk about it. We're lucky we're alive. <laughs> so is that what you did for fun as a kid, like, you know, ride the, the oh, motorcycle around? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing things like, you know, hunting competitions how many squirrels can you kill you know you knew how many the kid up the street or up, up the road had killed that year and you were trying to beat that kid bragging rights on the school bus kind of thing um but yeah riding motorcycles in the evenings and in the summer um fishing that kind of thing yeah so and so you went to catholic school through yep. eighth grade now, wh- where was that at saint mary's in marietta okay mm-hmm. and so well, tell, tell us a little bit about that experience as it compared to once you said Marietta High School? Correct. So once you got to Marietta High School, were you like an outsider? Did you fit in immediately? Just talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I had a, a little bit of a, an in just because I had been in sports. And I was actually didn't play uh, football until ninth grade year. So I started uh, working out and conditioning with the football team uh, between my eighth and ninth grade year. And that was really a kind of a blessing because I came from a school where, you know, the class size was, I probably had somewhere between 15 and 18 kids in my eighth grade class. And then, you know, I go to a school and I think we had 236 in my, in my class going through school. And so I always look back on that and think how fortunate I was that I was involved in some kind of an extracurricular because a lot of kids, you know, I think about my own kids today. I've got a, you know, my, my two oldest girls are in fifth grade and seventh grade at St. Mary's. In Juliana's class, I don't know, they don't have, I don't know if they have more than 10 or 12 kids. So she's going to go from a class of 10 or 12 to a class of over 200. And, but again, for her, you know, she's in sports and she knows a lot of these Warren girls. She's played softball already and played basketball. And, and so, but yeah, I, I look back and I know I was fortunate because I was in athletics and that helped. So I obviously I went to public school and in my mind, like Catholic schools, it's, it's nuns like whipping kids with rulers on the hands. Did that happen to you? Was it was it different than that? Talk a little bit about that, like style education. Though. Yeah. So I never got whacked on the knuckles with rulers. Um, we actually only had two nuns. Uh, seemed like uh, priests and nuns taught more probably back you know a few decades before I was um, uh, in K through eight and so I would say that there was a kind of a phase out period there where there were less and less nuns in the schools but we did our gym teacher was a nun and our principal was a nun sister Marie was our principal and you didn't mess with sister Marie I always I joke now you know looking back she could whip that finger she'd get her hand moving when she was angry at someone and we would think that index finger was going to snap right off of her hand. She'd whip that thing so fast. So, And then we had our, our gym teacher was Sister Anne. And um, so we had Sister Marie and Sister Anne. And um, they were both very different. Sister Anne, obviously, being a gym teacher, you know, she was a little more athletic and, and could interact with the kids a little bit easier. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't have nuns. I had teachers uh, who were, you know, went to school to be a teacher and, and were career teachers and and that kind of thing. Which, that's excellent. I just feel like I've totally been lied to by modern TV and movies. <laughs> in, in my head, my um, vision of a Catholic school, anyway. So, you're at Marietta High School then, and you mentioned you played football. Yep. Um, so, did you play football all four years? I did. Yep, I did. Um, played basketball um, only two years. Actually, my freshman and my senior year. It's kind of one of those things where... I thought, I'm going to stop playing basketball and focus on football. And then I regretted not playing my sophomore and junior year. So I went back and I I was 
uh, played my senior year. And then I, I did play baseball for years. I played baseball, you know, growing up. I've played baseball actually the most. Um, probably started at about age five and um, played all the way up through school and, and not only in uh, high school, but also played Legion baseball uh, in the summers. And um, that was nice because I got to know a lot of guys from, from the area that were outside of Marietta High School. I feel like today, kids today have a little better awareness of who is in their area that doesn't necessarily go to their school just because of social media and sending folks texts and Snapchat or whatever. But, um, you know, Legion Baseball for me at that time was a way to kind of figure out, you know, who wasn't from my my school and uh, made, made some really good friends uh, in that. Actually, some of them were from here at Warren. And um, so, yeah, baseball uh, was a big part of my my growing up as well. So what years were that did, that you played Legion Baseball and did you play out of Marietta or yep. did you play? So, so that's, that's kind of funny because uh, then when I was that age, let's see, that would have been the summers of 2001 and 2002. And at that time, yeah, I'm a young buck still. Um, at that time, the team to play on in Washington County was the Marietta Post 64. And that changed, right? Because it, it, it has been kind of the Lowell Beverly thing, right? And so everyone from Fort Fry, uh, Marietta, Warren, Frontier, basically the entire county, most people wanted to play on Post 64. So, like, I think back, uh, Warren had a good baseball team at that time. Marietta had a good baseball team at that time. We all played for the Post 64, right? And so uh, that's not the case today. Everybody's – it's kind of shifted, right? It's the Lowell Beverly thing. But, uh, yeah, that looking back, that was those were good memories. Uh, playing high school baseball and um, Legion baseball, football, uh, definitely was a big part of my, my high school days and two years of basketball. So, so being – Younger in terms of uh, on your brother's list, did you have to follow footsteps, or were you like the one that played and everybody else farmed? You know what? What did your what did your what was your legacy kind of leading up into high school? I'm I'm assuming some of your brothers played sports also. Yeah, it's right? kind of funny. Um, my oldest brother was a he was a very good athlete, and um, so some of us kind of found uh, different sports that we we kind of excelled in, I guess. Uh, my brother, Mike, was a really good uh, basketball player, and in football, he was a receiver, and he was a good baseball player, too. Actually, um, uh, I think played a year of baseball at Baldwin-Wallace, uh, and so just a tremendous athlete. Um, my next brother, Matt, was actually a, he was a tremendous wrestler, really good wrestler, um, and then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I ended up kind of focusing on football. But, um, no, baseball, everybody kind of played baseball in my family. Everybody played basketball. Uh, a few of us played football. But the influence, um, you know, looking back, like our summer job, like we all had the same summer job, right? Like we all worked at Huck's Farm, and that was great. That was a great upbringing because that taught us how to work hard and it taught us the value of a dollar, and we certainly weren't spoiled brats. If we wanted something, we had to earn it, right? And so I like that about my upbringing, looking back, that we had to work hard and um, – you know, instilled a good work ethic in us. And you mentioned um, kids today have a little bit of an advantage in that social media. They kind of get to be, we'll say, around each other, at least aware of each other yeah, more than, than we were um, when we played. I'm about 10 years older than you. So, um, but my youngest stepson, Trent, um, actually dates a girl from a different school yeah not in washington county okay and that is sort of how they became a thing is we're playing at this school and for whatever reason they had pulled pictures of trent off of social media and okay. we're holding them up in the student section like <laughs> baby trent and he's like six foot eight now um and they took it a little too far and this girl went and told the principal on him principal had to go over and take care of it she sends him a message and then here we are like nine months later and that doesn't happen um, yeah, in yeah, our area yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah so it's just interesting how much different that is so what year did you graduate from marietta high school 2002 so then where where'd you go to college at so i always say i'm a post-secondary mutt because i went everywhere <laughs> i was um I was, uh, so College Credit Plus today, then it was called Post-Secondary Enrollment Options, PSEO. And uh, so my junior and senior year, I would go actually to Washington State in the mornings and then to Marietta High School in the afternoons. 
And so when I graduated with my in my senior year, I had pretty much my freshman year of college out of the way. And so my first year of post-secondary education after high school, I actually went back to Washington State to finish my associate degree. And I was interested in playing football in uh, college. And so I had pretty much narrowed down that I wanted to go to Marietta College. And I had met with, with Marietta College and um, made the financial decision that uh, I probably needed to uh, go to Washington State my freshman year, and um, so I actually sat out a year of football and just worked out, right? And so I was at Washington State my freshman year, uh, graduated with my associate degree after, after the first year, and then transferred to Marietta College um, for my, really was my second and third year of college, but was my junior and senior year, uh, you know, academically and majored in uh, middle childhood education, math, and social studies, and uh, had a lot of fun at Marietta College. Look back on that and uh, had a really good coaching staff there on the football team and had a lot of good friends that I made and uh, got a good education. And so I uh, got my bachelor's degree there at Marietta College and went to work at Jackson Junior High School at the time. It's Today it's Jackson Middle School, but we had grades 7, 8, and 9 in Vienna, West Virginia, uh, fed into Parkersburg High School, of course. So let me, let's build on that just real quick. Uh, anybody listening that might not know, um, what we call College Credit Plus now, what, what you referred to as PSEO, gives high school kids in Ohio a chance to take college classes while they're still um, in high school. Um, I know the Career Center, and we're going to talk about the Career Center here coming up, and Warren both partner with a, a local community college here um, called Washington State. Yep. And so that would have been probably in the early days of that, right, when you did that? Yeah, I don't know when Ohio started that. It was around in the 90s. I know some folks uh, that are, you know, five – seven, eight years older than me that also did it. It seems like it just became more prevalent. Um, doing it on the campus of a high school was not happening. You know, when I was in high school, if you wanted to take a, if you wanted to get credit for what you were doing in high school, you wanted to get credit for that in post-secondary education, you either took the AP courses or you went off campus and took a class at one of the colleges, right? And so that was my model. Uh, and, and so now, and this switched over um, since I've been in administration, so I'll say like 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. Um, for anybody listening, kids actually on our campus here at Warren, we have nine college classes. They don't have to leave our campus. We have nine options for them. Um, that didn't happen in the 2000s. That's been a trend here uh, of late. And that's the, the biggest for us biggest number of taken college classes is on our campus. Um, anybody not familiar with the geography of Washington County, um, some of the kids on the far end, like the Athens County border, it would be a solid half hour for them to get to Washington State. So no, no by doubt. having that here, you know, we open up those opportunities. I know you have those as well. It's, and so we'll, we'll kind of come back to that when we talk about programming at the Career Center. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you tried to gloss over the football at Marietta College. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about that experience and then maybe, uh, you know, what that did for your development before you got to, to Jackson. Well, um, so I played – so I went from – in high school, I was actually uh, – I played on the defensive line in high school. And um, – when I got to college, uh, they talked about putting me at outside linebacker. And so I had played some linebacker uh, in high school. But to be honest, I wasn't very good at outside linebacker in high school. I didn't play football until I was in ninth grade. So uh, I didn't have much of an awareness for the game. And I think my coach at that time recognized that when, you know, you got a player that's having a hard time, uh, with one of those deeper positions, you get the kid closer to the football, and that's what they did to, with me. They put me on the defensive line, and I found some success there. And um, But when I got to college, um, they wanted me uh, at outside linebacker, and so I played on the strong side, uh, outside linebacker, and um, had a good time, uh, learned how to – they called it dig it out, you know, when the team was trying to run one of those inside plays. The guards come – you know, the pulling guard, they, want, they wanted me to go in and make that bounce to the outside, of course, but – then when you've got the the jet sweep or the toss play, it's my job to make it turn inside, right? And so, it's just it's just a different it's just a different way of thinking. Um, but 
I had a had a good good time at Meredith College playing football. Um, and and you know, I think you can actually prove this statistically. College athletes typically do better academically than non, you know, the kids that are in college but not doing something uh, in athletics. And I think a lot of that is because your day is structured. You don't have time to goof around. So I can remember, like, we had 6 a.m. workouts. I'd have class at 8 or 9 o'clock or whatever. Um, you know, get your classes in from maybe, say, 8 or 9 o'clock until early afternoon. And then from there, it was, it was football practice, and then it was homework. And you just really had to buckle down to get everything done. And it wasn't like that was only during the, the season, right? Because when you're in college athletics, it's kind of a year-long thing. And so I did well in college, but I, I really I had to buckle down and, and make sure I got my schoolwork done. So it was a good thing. So was that just uh, two years? Did you just do that yep. for two? Yep, yep. I actually um, I didn't want to be done playing because I was having a good time. And um, actually, you know, obviously had two years of eligibility left, but I was done with my bachelor's degree. And I entertained the idea of coming back to Marietta College and doing my graduate uh, studies right away and actually was um, signed up, had gone back and met with the uh, uh, couple of the folks that were in the graduate school there in education. I was going to get my master's degree and keep playing football. And a job offer, uh, a job opening came up at the school where I had done my student teaching at Jackson Junior High School. And so in my head, I thought, I was 21, by the way, I thought to myself, I'm going to get this job, and then as soon as I get done every day teaching, I'm going to go to Marietta College, and I'm going to play football. <laughs> and so that was kind of my game plan going in. Uh, like I said, I was completely signed up for the classes. I was approved. I was accepted into the master's program right away. And I went into this job interview and was offered the job, but the principal at the time uh, was also looking for a football coach, and he – more than anything, wanted to get the, you know, he wanted the two-for-one thing. He wanted to get somebody to fill that classroom void, and he also wanted to find a head football coach. And so that was one of the hardest decisions I actually ever had to make in my life because um, I kind of had to leave that interview um, and really make a tough decision about what I was going to do. Gosh, am I going to keep playing football, or am I going to focus on my career and maybe coach football? And um, at the end of the day, I uh, made the decision. I can remember how hard it was to drive to Marietta College and tell my coach, Todd Glazier, who's now he's actually back out. I think he's in Wisconsin or Minnesota now coaching at Eau Claire. Um, but anyway, to, to have that conversation with him and to say, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm, to I'm not coming back to play football. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this teaching job and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a football coach. And so I, I, uh, I coached football. Uh, it was a 7th, 8th, and ninth grade team combined. So those three classes on one team. So it essentially was kind of like the freshman team, but you had 7th and 8th graders on it as well. So up until, let's see, that would have been the fall of 2005. Um, Wood County Schools, maybe even the entire state of West Virginia, I'm not sure, made a transition in all of their 7th uh, through ninth grade junior highs turned into middle schools uh would have been after three years of me being in in that building so the fall of of five six seven the spring of eight would have been the fall of 2008 that school transitioned to a sixth through eighth grade and so I um I ended up teaching when I first went there I was a ninth grade math and social studies teacher um and then uh, the last year that I was there I uh, was an eighth grade uh, social studies and financial uh, literacy uh, teacher. So that was an interesting, you know, that was interesting for me. I, I taught ninth grade for three years, and then I taught eighth grade for one. When I, I was actually at that same school doing my student teaching the year before I took that full-time job, and so I spent almost another whole school year there. I did a field placement there in the fall, and I student taught the entire second semester, so, the you know, from January until May. And I thought it was in ninth grade. And so I, I kind of spent really about four years there in ninth grade. And, and in my last year, I was in eighth grade. So how many years were you actually employed there? Four. And you coached football all four? No, actually three. Okay. So back to uh, my post-secondary pursuit and my, my graduate studies pursuit. Did not end up doing my graduate degree at Marietta College because I went to work right away. And then, of course, I found myself working in West Virginia and – I still wanted to get my master's degree because I wanted to get into administration, right? I thought that was going to be somewhere in my future. So I went to a 
there was some kind of a college fair at Washington, or not Washington State, excuse me, at uh, West Virginia University at Parkersburg. It's one of those like fairs, right? Like, you know, they, they have the gymnasium open and you walk through and everybody, all the different programs at WVUP had their, um, had their, uh, their, you know, their advertising out and they had folks to talk to you. But at that time, WVUP was actually more affiliated with the Morgantown branch. It was more of a subsidiary than it is today. I think really in name only today, West Virginia University at Parkersburg, they got the rights on that name. But back then, uh, it was a true branch campus of the Morgantown campus. And so I met, um, I, gosh, I wonder if this gentleman's still, that's, that's bad of me to say, but I wonder if he's still living, Dr. Richard Hartnett. He was awesome. He was uh, he was not a young guy then, and this would have been probably back in 2006. Uh, I started getting interested in, in graduate uh, program. And so here I was living in Ohio, but working in West Virginia. And I, I said to him, I said, man, you know, I'd really like to do my master's program at West Virginia University. But, you know, I work here in West Virginia. I'm serving the people of West Virginia, but I live in Ohio. I said, is there any way I can maybe find, you can do something for me where I'm not paying all this out-of-state tuition since I'm working in West Virginia. And he said, well, there's not really a program where we split the difference, but he said, I'm the program chair, and I think I can work with you. So he made this deal with me. He said, you sign up for our master's program, and I'll give you some tuition waivers for the majority of the courses. So there were 13. It was a semester uh, program set up on the semester hour. And so there were 13 different courses that I had to take, and... um, he ended up giving me a full tuition waiver for nine of the 13 courses. And then I paid for four of the courses on the out-of-state scale. And so that was just a, a whale of a deal for me, right? Because I was a poor, you know, early teacher with not much money and was thinking about trying to get married and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, the reason I didn't, back to why I didn't coach that last year, I was at Jackson, I was um, actually getting interested in a job here in the Warren Local School District. I had met with uh, Tom Gibbs was the superintendent at the time, and I was about probably halfway through my master's program, and I became aware that the assistant principal here at Warren High School, Warren Carter, who you remember, Ryan, um, great guy, was going to retire for the second time. He used to be the, he was the former WVSSAC director for the whole state of West Virginia. Um, before that was uh, a principal over, I think, near like Shepherd's, uh, what, uh, over on the eastern side of West Virginia near the Panhandle. But anyway, he had been here for, I think, nine years, right, Ryan? Does that sound about right? Sounds about right. And yep. so for probably uh, over a year, I was aware that he was going to retire. And I live here in the Warren Local School District, right? And so I thought, oh, my gosh, here's my chance. But I was only about halfway through my master's program. So I went to my principal where I worked, and I said, hey, listen, um, and this was – it was the, the timing was good because the season had just ended and um, it was like November and I actually had gone to lunch with Tom Gibbs and um, so we were talking about the next school year right we were talking about like I don't know it was nine months away when when that vacancy was going to really be you know at the first of the school year and so I, ha- I felt like I had nine months to get my master's program done and so I went to my principal and I said listen I can't coach this next year I'm going to buckle down I'm going to take I'm going to pull double duty on these classes and uh, so anyway, I finished my master's program in August of 2009 when I started actually working here as assistant principal. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I remember Warren Carter was, uh, he always walked around with a clipboard because that's <laughs> where he got detention. So you knew if he had the clipboard around, he was looking for some kid, yeah. usually. And his famous line that I'll never forget was, boy... I've had a snootful of you. Now, I've never heard snootful before. <laughs> Maybe that was a West Virginia thing. I'm not sure, but great guy. Yeah, he uh, was. Really, really uh, knew what he was doing, had, had command of the kids and everything, and uh, he, was, he was a great guy to talk to, great guy to joke around with and everything. Yeah, yeah he was really good. So your, what, what did you say your, your, your education was? I, I keep thinking Calico. Did you say Calico? So you've got... You, <laughs> no, I said I'm a you, post-secondary mutt. Mutt. A mutt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going cats. You were going dogs. It doesn't end there. <laughs> so, so, so right now you've gone to Catholic school, to public education. That's right. To do a PSEO with college and high school at the same time. Right. And then you, you went to Marietta and then finished out your career, I guess, uh, post-secondary career there. And then you went to West Virginia. So you're kind of like hitting all these yeah. places around, yeah. just around here. Yeah. Interesting. And so I know you as a really, really hard worker. And if, going through that 
part of your life. You know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, ebbs and flows. What would you say to, to a kid who is looking at doing uh, either education or either doing some kind of administration? I don't know if we'll get in that later or not, but it just seems that um, you had a focus. And I, I just wondered where that focus kind of kind of came from. Yeah, it, was it somebody that just that just like I'm gonna do education based off this, or was that just uh, <laughs> where did that where did that come from? Because I can tell you, like mine and and Ryan's uh, reasons for getting into education were were different. Also, we just wanted, I just wondered what yours was. Well, um, I guess probably asked me two different questions there. Why did I get into education and maybe why did I choose the, the post-secondary pathway that I did? Um, the reason I got into education, and I think this happens a lot to the guys that get into education who are in athletics, right? They look back and they think, oh my gosh, that was so much fun being in high school. I want to be a part of that the rest of my life. And so they think to themselves, you know, high school was a good time for me. It was a lot of fun. Um, look back and you see some people who had a positive influence on you and maybe some who didn't, that should have. Uh, and it was, it was as much that as it was the other. Um, I can remember some people that I really looked up to and respected when I was a student. And I can think of some other people that I thought to myself, I could do a better job than you. And I've not had any formal training at this. You know, and that goes for classroom teaching and for uh, coaching as well, you know, both. And so, you know, it just... I thought I had a chance to really influence kids and influence society. And, you know, you don't have to look very hard to be disappointed in some of the societal influence that our kids uh, are exposed to today. And so I wanted to be that positive influence and, and have a chance to, you know, make, a, make, it, make someone's, you know, day better by, you know, paying attention to them, believing in them, giving them a second chance. And, and um, so I think that's why I got into education. Um, I think, again, it was, it was seeing enough role models, but also folks who were doing a poor job and, and wanting to make sure that we were, we were really going to keep moving education forward, especially in uh, Appalachia, right, little mid-Ohio Valley, where kids don't have maybe as many opportunities as, as some others do. I think the reason I took that uh, jagged approach to my post-secondary um, education is because uh, my wife would say I'm frugal. She would, that, to, put it, to put it nicely, right, I'm frugal. And so, I, I mean, I knew I came from a humble background, right? Like money, there wasn't a lot of extra money around. There was one, I was one of seven kids, right? And so when I found an opportunity to get some college credit when I was in high school at Washington State, like that was a no-brainer for me. And so um, that was really the reason why I didn't go to Marietta College right away as a freshman. That was why I went back to Washington State because I really couldn't afford to go to Marietta College my freshman year. And then um, – you know, that has a lot to do with why I was only at Marietta College for two years because, I, you know, again, that financial decision, right? It's not like I had some, some big piggy bank. I didn't have some big bank account to fall back on so I could go to graduate school and, and um, you know, delay that, that entry into the workforce. So, um, the, and then, you know, the, the West Virginia University master's program, that was a wonderful deal. Again, Richard Hartnett, I always, you know, you think about the people who are influential in your life and, and uh, him helping me out was just tremendous because I didn't, I couldn't have afforded to do a master's program at that time. And um, I haven't talked about this yet, but uh, the reason I got interested in doing my doctorate degree at OU, that was really kind of a, that was, um, it was almost an afterthought because I first got interested in doing my superintendent license at OU. So I'm sitting there looking through the catalog online, you know, and I'm looking at the coursework. And for whatever reason, they have the, the superintendent licensure program right next to the doctorate program. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Here's this, that course is in the doctorate program. That one is too. Hey, that one is too. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if I do the superintendent program, I would have like five of the courses out of the way in this doctorate program. And then I started playing this, you know, this efficiency game in my head. And I'm thinking like, why not just stay in school and do the, and do the, uh, the doctoral program? So I actually lucked out again there because again, um, had been a teacher for a few years, had been an administrator for a few years, didn't have a whole lot of money, uh, you know, had been just gotten married, was starting to have kids. And um, I, I got a, an assistantship, a uh, graduate assistantship, and that paid for a large majority of my doctoral program at OU. And so, yeah, I actually, 
attended four different post-secondary uh, schools in uh, what I'd call Appalachia here and uh, pieced it together. So, so let, let's build on you being a little bit of a mutt for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in that you taught at a six through nine building, which then became, or a seven through seven nine, through which nine then first. became a six through eight. Yep. But then came to the high school level as the assistant principal here. That's right? correct. And how many years did you do that? Two. Okay, so then what? Where did you go then after? Then I went to, uh, actually stayed in the district here uh, and went to Warren Elementary School and was principal there at a K-8 building, but it actually had a preschool. So there were, uh, that was a very interesting job, very interesting job. I wasn't on paper responsible for the preschool because the Ohio Valley Educational Service Center ran the preschool, but for all intents and purposes, I was responsible for the preschool. Um, and so that was a school of about 435 kids, K through eight, not counting the preschool kids. So we had, you know, we had about 500 kids on campus every day. And that was a real eye opener for me because even though I say I came from a humble background and like my, you know, I came from a working class family, my dad worked hard. There wasn't a lot of extra money to go around. I didn't grow up in poverty. Right. And I saw kids living in poverty. And that was kind of hard. We had, I actually was uh, doing some of my graduate work at that time. And I can remember doing a project when I was the principal there. And uh, we put tabulation to how many students were either transferring in or transferring out during that first school year that I was there. Actually, the only school year that I was there. Um, And it was 23%. So we had 23% of our population turned over in that year. I mean, it was crazy. We had kids every single week. It seemed like we were either gaining or losing eight to 10 kids every single week. So you take 23% of, uh, you know, 435 kids. It was over 100 kids that either enrolled or transferred that school year. And it was amazing. Um, And so I think there's two different kinds of being poor. Um, You know, you grow up and and maybe your family, you have good social supports, which I did. Had a great mom and a dad and cohesive family and so forth. But, you know, there was always food on the table. You know, we always had clean clothes and and had a decent house to live in and that kind of thing. But, man, when I went to Warren Elementary School, I saw real poverty. There were just kids that lived in really kind of squalor, and it was kind of sad. Um, And so that was a real eye-opener for me. Um, but yeah, I actually was only in the Warren local school district for three years because, um, I got an opportunity at the Washington County career center. Um, and again, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, in in a small town, you catch wind of when you think a job's going to come open that you think you're interested in. And so I started pursuing that and, uh, and it worked out. So I've, I've been there actually, this is school year number 11. At Washington County Career so, Center, and have been in a few different jobs there. That's what I was just getting ready to ask. When when I met you, you were the assistant director at at the high school side, and we're going to really break down the career tech stuff here in a minute. But uh, so you're at the high school side for how long? Uh, three years. So you were assistant director. I was for assistant three years? director for three years. Correct. Yep. And then were the director of adult ed. Correct. Yep. For how long? Uh, six and a half years, or seven years, however you slice it. <laughs> and I can okay. t- I can get into that, but uh, and then I've been in the superintendent role for a little less than twelve months. I took uh, this position starting in uh, on January first. The guy who replaced me in my adult tech director position is Evan Shad. You probably know Evan, don't you? Evan's a great guy, but Evan was teaching math on the high school side. Well, you can't take a math teacher out of the classroom in January, right? Because who are you going to get? There's not very many people that know high school, that can teach high school math. And he was actually our only of three. We have three math teachers at, at the Career Center. He was the only one doing College Credit Plus. He's the only one eligible to teach College Credit Plus. So he was our CCP math teacher teaching statistics and pre-calculus. And so I had this like moral dilemma in my mind. I was going to rob a bunch of kids of their opportunity to take CCP math if I didn't leave him in that job. So I actually made a deal with the board. I said, listen, I, I've been doing this adult tech director job for six and a half years now. We have a wonderful staff. We actually made quite a few changes um, in that six and a half years, but had gotten to the point where I trusted the staff really well there. And I told him, I said, listen, we can get by for six months if you leave Evan in the classroom and just let him. So we, so 
working again another another piece of this um our director on the high school side mike elliott was able to free evan up in fourth blocks we only teach four blocks on the high school side so we were actually going to be able to free him up fourth block so in that last semester of his his um uh i'll call it high school side uh, uh service he was teaching math periods 1, 2, and 3, starting at 8.15 a.m. and ending at 1.03 p.m., and then he was going over for a half a day and being the assistant director. But I was, or excuse me, the director on the adult side, but I was still kind of handling things in the mornings when things would come up there. Um, but I've been in the superintendent role for, um, what, about 10 months now. So while you were employed by Warren and then as the assistant director, is that when you were working on your doctorate? Did you finish that up while you were in adult ed? You know, what's Let's the see. timeline on that, about that, that doctorate degree? Uh, yeah. Cause I got done with my master's in 2009 and I started my, that was August of 2009. I started my doctorate in um, September of 2010. So I would have been, it would have been, I would have had a year, in here it would have been uh between my first and second year uh as assistant principal here and then i graduated in 2015 in august so it took me just about five years exactly and so yeah i would have been um i actually would have been the summer ryan that i was transitioning between um so i had been during my doctorate degree at ou i'd have been assistant principal here for one year of it. And then I was three years assistant director at Washington County Career Center. Um, and then uh, I actually graduated the summer when I was transitioning from assistant director into uh, that director role in, in the summer of 2015. So so from those, you've got a lot of administrative, like unique roles. Yeah. I, I guess is a guess good way to put it because probably not a lot of people do so, what you have done in, the, I, in those different things. So I, what kind of differences have you seen <laughs> through that through that kind of transition? I, I really have. So I've had a really interesting career so far because I have, um, when I first went to work, I was actually teaching ninth grade, which is freshman level, right? But it was in a junior high. And then I worked in a middle school. And then I got to be an assistant principal at a high school. And then I got to be a principal at a K-8 building, but it had a preschool. And then at the career center, of course, I've been involved with the high school side and the adult side. So I like to say that in Washington County, I might be, and maybe even in Southeast Ohio, there probably aren't very many in Ohio or maybe across the country. I actually have had experience at every level of education, preschool through post-secondary, which I think is kind of neat. I actually, um, my wife and I both actually did some uh, some. Uh, curriculum development for Western Governors University. So I actually have done that as well. Um, so I've, I have worked at like every level of education. And so, you know, obviously the, the, the span there is, is vast. And, and at the preschool level and early uh, education level, I developed a phrase, I used to call them spontaneous hugs. <laughs> the kids would say nothing, but they would tilt their head to the side a little bit and they put their arms out like this and they just walk up to you, right? And so, um, and I did something at Warren Elementary School that I didn't realize was a very big deal, but it made a big impression on people. I, in the mornings, I would walk really the entire building and, and just, you know, do nothing more than say good morning to everyone. But that became like something that kids expected every day. And the, the time or two that I might have been out sick or at a conference or whatever it was, and I didn't come around, they wanted to know where I was. And so, you know, it was kind of neat to just see how much of an influence, you don't realize how much of an influence you are, uh, but a lot of those kids, they may not have, well, dads especially, right? And so uh, it's, it was neat to see that, that early age, and then there's a whole other set of problems when, when you talk about middle school age kids and how they're trying to transition from kind of child to either woman or man and, and uh, all those crazy thoughts that are running through their minds. Uh, there were a lot of funny things that happened in, in junior high school uh, that I can think back on. And then, you know, gosh, when you get to high school, you're working at the high school level, all the shenanigans that high schoolers try to pull. Um, and believe it or not, you know, when you get to the post-secondary level, we've had, um, gosh, we've had some things happen, not near as much, but, you know, a few things that happened that would seem like maybe a sophomore or a junior in high school would do. Um, and, you know, even with your staff, you know, we have a great staff. I've always worked with a great staff, but, you know, every once in a while there's a staff issue. Um, and really the problems at, at that level, you know, for adults, 
whether it's an employee or a student, they're really not that much different, right? Somebody said something to them that made them mad or someone isn't including them or didn't ask them if they also wanted to have lunch, if they're going to order takeout or something silly like that. So, um, you know, it's funny to compare, I guess, the similarities and differences, but at the end of the day, it's all human nature, right? <laughs> and so you've, you've mentioned a, a couple people as we've been talking, but take a couple minutes and maybe talk to us about, and some of our listeners, a couple people, maybe two, three of your greatest leadership influences coming up through. Well, you know, um, I had a really, really good opportunity here at Warren because, um, like I said, when I became aware that Warren Carter was going to retire, I uh, started communicating with uh, Tom Gibbs, and then uh, Dan Leffingwell, of course, was the principal here, and, and Warren Carter. And I'll tell you, Dan and Warren took a lot of their own time to meet with me, um, invite me in, uh, I can remember some days when Wood County Schools was off for whatever reason. You know, our school calendar didn't necessarily always align with Warren Locals. And so there were probably four, five, or six school days that I came out and shadowed Warren here at Warren High School um, before I even before the job was even posted, right? The whole, a whole school year before the job was going to be available. And so I can remember um, walking the halls with Warren when he had his clipboard sitting in his office when he was talking to students. And it was really good for me for two different things. I was in the middle of my master's program um, for, for school leadership. And I was also trying to get into administration. And so uh, he was a great influence on me. Uh, I can remember sitting down with him and working on the master schedule, going to Athens. Uh, it was called C of Ec at that time. And uh, working on the master schedule over there. He and, uh, uh, he and the guidance counselor, uh, Dave Zlatkind, actually uh, helped me quite a bit learn how to do a master schedule. And that was very helpful because I knew if I was lucky enough to get the job that I was going to be expected to do it the following year, that always kind of fell on the guidance counselor, or at least one of the guidance counselors and the assistant principal. Um, and then, you know, I, I worked uh, for Dan. Dan was the principal. I was the assistant principal, and he was a great influence on me. Um, he, he was a good balance for me because I was brand new at administration, and I was taking it really, really seriously because I really wanted to do a good job, right? And I was really nervous about it. And um, he is, if anybody knows Dan, and I'm sure a lot of people in the area know Dan, but he's really good at not taking himself or anyone else too seriously. And he was good at reminding me of that. Uh, sometimes I would, I would be taking something a little too hard or beat myself up over something. And uh, he was always good at getting me back on track and, and reminding me that, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're going to go home and see our kids and our wife and so forth. And tomorrow was a new day. And so he was a, he was a really good influence on me. Well, and Dan, um, and we, I think, talked about this a little bit right before we were getting ready to start recording, but Dan was our first guest on the podcast. So our listeners really got a, a dose of Dan and some of the stories that he told from, from education. And But that, yeah, if you haven't done that, go back and listen to episodes one and two because Dan Leffingwell is our guest. And you, you kind of get Dan in the sense of he's really smart and, and really knows what he's doing and has worked wonders here, worked wonders at Noble County, is, you know, killing it with the uh, East Central Ohio ESC right now. But he also doesn't take himself too serious. Yeah. So I could see where that would be a, a good influence. Uh, anybody else that you want to mention here? I know you got a chance to work with, with Mike Elliott and Dennis Blatt yep. up at the Career Center. Yep. You know, Mike Elliott and I actually have a really uh, interesting um, working relationship because when I first went to Washington County Career Center um, – he was my boss, right? I was assistant director and he was a director. And um, when he and I figured out that there was going to be another opening, right, and things were going to shift again, um, we had a conversation about, you know, what it might look like if, if one of us got that job as, as superintendent. And, um, you know, I look back, he was my boss for three years and, and Dan was my boss for two years. I couldn't sit here and think of a bad thing to say about either one of those guys. Seriously, they're just both top-notch. Totally great guys. Would trust them with anything. Were great influences on me. And I have the pleasure today to be Mike Elliott's boss. And I, I, but I don't, think about I don't think about it like that. But, you know, it just to think about, like, how could I be anything but a good leader, boss, colleague, really, to him if he was that good to me? You know what I mean? Like, 
So for three years, he was my direct supervisor. He was wonderful, right? Like I can't think of a single time when I look back and think like, that was a raw deal. Like he was wonderful. And so I just hope that, um, that he might be able to look back on me someday and, and, and feel like I reciprocated that. But, um, yeah, it is unique and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a privilege. Um, I'll tell you, we're, um, we're really excited. We just hired uh, a guy by the name of Tim Kilpatrick from Coshocton. He's our assistant director on the high school side. And I'm telling you, he is fitting in wonderfully. Um, and uh, really excited about having Evan Shad on the adult side uh, in that director position. And I'll tell you, I have, we have really have a good staff at Washington County Career Center. We really do. My administrative staff is just excellent. We have a good school treasurer, Joe Crone, who um, he's uh, very conscientious with our school funds and, and understands the way things work and how one thing financially affects another and, and uh, just can't say enough for our administrative team at, at, uh, at the Career Center. And I want to get into um, really the specifics of Career Centers because some people listening might not have a clue what that is. But but before we do that, I'm going to ask you a question, and and there's a key detail here for this one. Okay, um, I want you to tell us maybe your your two or three favorite stories from education. <laughs> but but the key detail is these these stories have to be appropriate. We are a general rated podcast, so <laughs> there's going to be some things that that. You know, I'll have to mute you if you start to talk about. So think back, um, it, whether it be, you know, from, from teaching in Wood County or being the assistant principal at Warren High School, uh, principal at Warren Elementary, assistant director at the Career Center Adult Ed, or even now as a superintendent if something crazy's happened. So yeah. maybe start with, with one of your favorites here. One of my favorites is uh, go back to when I was at Warren Elementary School as principal there, and I, there was no assistant principal, so you know everything under the sun is uh, the principal's responsibility, including discipline. And you know I always like to think of myself as being a decent disciplinarian, being reasonable, but having high expectations for the kids and being willing to, you know, impose a penalty when one needs imposed. But uh, we had this one sixth grade boy, man, he was ornery. He's a good enough kid, but we had, there was this issue that the janitor kept coming to me and, and he was like, look what I just pulled out of the toilet. Bathroom was flooded again. The next day it was something else. The next day it was something else. Well, finally we caught this kid. He flushes a, something he shouldn't have at school. He flushes a can of snuff, empty of course, down the toilet and it gets clogged right there at the base of the toilet and the whole bathroom's flooded and it just causes a whale of a mess, right? And so, you know, janitor's mad, I'm mad, the kid's caught red-handed, and um, his mother was aware of the situation, and I talked to her, and I sat him down in my office, and, and he knew I was upset with him, and, and he was kind of hanging his head there, and I said, hey, listen, you got two choices here. I said, uh, this is really an out-of-school suspension issue, like, you, this, is, this is vandalism, this is totally vandalism. But I said, you know, if um, if you want to maybe talk about an in-school suspension scenario where maybe uh, you're not going to take such a harsh penalty at home, because I know mom's pretty upset with you. The janitor was there with me. I wanted to make sure he knew I was taking the situation seriously. I said, sir, talking to the janitor, I said, can you can you show this young man what we have for him, the offer that we're going to make for him? And the janitor pulls out this big, long glove. And I said, you're going to get out of school suspended for however many days it was. I can't remember. Or if you want to help clean up this mess that you created, we might be willing to start talking about an in-school suspension. <laughs> and he, he went from hanging his head low to just really slouching in his chair. And he said, give me the glove. And <laughs> there those two went. <laughs> the janitor and this sixth grade boy that had to go in and dig into the toilet and pull out the snuff can that he had lodged in the in the bottom of the toilet. And I always look back on that and think, you know what, that was, I don't know, some people may agree or disagree with the way I handled that, but sometimes I think kids need to take more responsibility for, for their actions. And so, I, you know, I, I stand by that decision. I kind of like that, the, what we did. And, and uh, he actually um, was responsible to stay and help mop the bathroom and, and get that cleaned up. Uh, so that was something that I always kind of look back on and laugh about. I'll tell you, when I was here as assistant principal, we had 
again, another boy. I always say that boys have a harder time playing school well uh, compared to girls. Girls have a better attention span, and it's just it's just easier for girls to behave, right? Um, but we had this boy who we must have taken him home. Um, Blaine Maddox, who, of course, is still the basketball coach here, uh, had a an ED uh, special ed unit, so emotionally disturbed uh, behavior unit. And we had some kids in there that really had a hard time controlling their emotions. But we had this one individual who, uh, you know, he got to where he was having a bad enough day that we would just we were going to decide to take him home for the day. And so I can remember there must have been uh, at least five or ten different times that school year that we had to load him up in my car and take him home. <laughs> so we would call mom and say, you know, hey, your son's having a bad day and, and, and we're bringing him home. Here we come. And so Blaine and I would get in the car and and uh, student get in the back seat and, and we would take him home. <laughs> and I just look back on that and think, you know, now we have school resource officers, right? And so that would get handled differently today. But but, uh, you know, just one of those things where, you know, isolating the kid from the problem might be better than the result if you would have him, you know, require him to stay there for the whole school day. So uh, I could tell a lot of stories looking back, but those are two quick ones that come to mind. Well, and it, it's interesting that the kid that, that flushed the, uh, the snuff can, I think that's a very appropriate thing to do in that keeping him in school is by far the, the best like that's the best way to handle that, right? He gets to stay, gets to do his work, you know, maybe starts to understand the the mess that he caused directly impacted other people. Yeah. Um, and that they couldn't use that restroom and, and somebody else had to clean that up. So that's a, I think a creative way to handle that. And, and I can't imagine now loading somebody into my car. <laughs> um, I've been uh, fairly spoiled that I've had a couple of excellent resource yeah. officers here that, that would take care of those. Um, issues for us. So anything else stand out to you story-wise that you want to tell um, us before we start sure, really digging in? Sure, I got one more in? easy one. So my first go at an expulsion hearing as superintendent less than a year ago, so it was the end of last school year, we had a senior, again, boy, doing stupid stuff in the bathroom with toilets, sticking stuff in the toilets and flushing them. And this kid is like, I don't know, six weeks away from graduation, right? And when you... When you vandalize something at Washington County Career Center, we take it really seriously, right? Like, we, we probably discipline kids. Uh, they probably receive stiffer penalties maybe than some of our home schools just because it's, you know, it's an application school where you have to apply to get in. So, uh, anyway, uh, th this, this boy gets 10 days out-of-school suspension with about six weeks of school left, and he has a recommendation for expulsion. So, we're sitting in this expulsion hearing. And uh, an expulsion, by the way, is anything that's more than a 10-day uh, – from school penalty. So if it's even one day, uh, day number 11 becomes an expulsion can be from anywhere from one to up to 80 days. Uh, if it's not a firearm or something like that, it can be up to a whole school year. But anyway, this kid, uh, it was going to be my decision to figure out what he deserved beyond a 10 day out of school suspension. And, uh, he really couldn't afford anything. Um, so today in Ohio, if you have an out of school suspension, you can make up the schoolwork for up to 90% credit. Wasn't always that way, was it? So just up until about, what, five or six years ago, it was zero credit. A school district was allowed to implement zero credit if you were out of school suspended. But anyway, this kid uh, was uh, quite possibly going to have a penalty that was going to be longer than 10 days and, and be facing some days without academic credit, which was going to mean that he wasn't going to graduate from high school. And so, you know, that really was a hard decision for me to make, and I wanted to make sure I came up with a reasonable uh, solution to that. And he, again, he had just caused all kinds of problems for our janitors because he had flooded the bathrooms and, and um, really caused a lot of problems for us. We actually had to shut some bathrooms down and finally was able to figure out that he was the one that did it. Um, but I offered him what's called an expulsion abeyance where um, you kind of hang the expulsion over their head. And it's almost like I call it school probation. Um, and so I actually expelled him conditionally and put him in the driver's seat and so if a uh, family agrees to an expulsion abeyance, it's really a legal contract between the school and the family, and the family signs off on it and acknowledges that son or daughter is allowed to come back uh, under certain conditions, right, strings attached. And so the strings that were attached for him, he was allowed to come back when the 10 days of out-of-school suspension were over, so he was allowed to come back on day 11 and receive all of his instruction for the day, you know, be eligible for all the academic credit. But on paper, if he screwed up, and received another behavior infraction that was, 
you know, a suspension or more, it, the automatic expulsion was going to kick in through the end of the school year. And so one of the strings that I attached on that abeyance agreement contract was that he had to do 10 hours of community service with us. And so he would come to school during the day in those last four weeks of his uh, high school year, but he had to stay overtime with our janitor. And he would work in the evening because we have, of course, we have post-secondary classes happening in the evenings for adults. And so he had to do 10 hours of community service to the janitor's, um, uh, to the janitor's liking, really, to, to the acceptance and approval of the janitor. Uh, we had a little checkoff sheet that he had to get scored on every day to get credit. And he knew that if he didn't successfully complete that, his graduation from high school was on the line. And so, I don't know, I guess I kind of like to think back on ways to not only laugh, but also get creative with, with opportunities for kids to hold them accountable, but at the same time really put them in the driver's seat. And, and he was able to successfully complete that expulsion abeyance and never had an expulsion on his record. So the way that works is if he successfully completes everything that's asked of him in the contract, the expulsion never shows up. Um, and so for him, uh, that at least helped him not receive an expulsion from school and have a chance to get academic credit. Well, and I think that, that, like you mentioned, that put him in the driver's seat. All the control shifted back to him. If he's able to correct his behavior, he still gets to graduate. Right. You know, avoids that on his record. So very, very creative yeah. way to handle yeah. that. And, um, and at the end of the day, you can look back and, I don't know, just know that you didn't – I don't like cookie-cutter approaches, I guess, to things, and I think every situation is different. And so if I can feel like I'm being fair, um, yeah, I kind of like doing that kind of thing. And so – and now that we've got a really good background on uh, on Dr. Huffman, we will uh, call it a day, and then we're going to have Mr. Huffman come back, and then we're really going to break down uh, what career centers do and how uh, you know it impacts our educational uh, system today. Uh, thank you for listening to Ryan and Ryan Education Today, and tune in for part two of our episode with Dr. Tony Huffman. Thank you.